Welcome to CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Mabra. This is your one-stop shop to learn the business side of your practice on a deeper level. On this show, we empower you to own your CEO status to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit. Listen in as we talk about how to market your practice to gain more visibility, hire, build, and engage your ride-or-die dream team, create streamlined operations, and make financial decisions as a CEO. It's time to show up as a confident leader to create a practice and life you love. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of CEO Conversations, the private practice podcast. It's Brandy with another episode to help empower you to scale your practice for growth, sustainability, and profit. I am excited for today's episode. I'm always excited. I'm just going to go ahead and say every episode that you listen to, I'm going to say, I'm excited. I'm excited because if you're not excited talking about the topic, then that's a problem. That is a problem. And so when it comes to me showing up, teaching you the business side of your practice, leadership, all of it, I'm excited. So I'm excited to have these conversations with you. Today we're talking all about operations. And so during the episodes that that have already aired, we're always talking about operations. Let me get that clear. However, there is a specific pillar for operations and it is one of the most (laughs) unsexy topics. I will say that it's, I love it. I personally love operations. I think it's really neat just how things fit together. Um, Even when I was a little girl, I used to sit down and would just take random things apart, you know, or be able to figure out how things would work. And so fast forward to me today, I'm doing the same things. It's part of the reason why I've been able to go into practices, you know, fix what's broken. I'm able to identify, you know, that's not working. That's not working. You probably need to fix that um, in a rather quick way because I love thinking about like, how do things fit together? I love being able to put together puzzles. Um, I just think it's really interesting, you know, process and systems are definitely my jam, but I recognize it's not everyone's jam. A lot of people are like, take the workflows, take the processes, take the systems and you can have at it. But there is magic and specifically for this episode, there's money in operations. And it is one of the most overlooked pillars. People always concentrate on, of course, and what we've even talked about, financials. Financials, your money is a lifeline of the practice, right? So you have to make sure the revenue is coming in the door to pay the bills, make sure team's taken care of, making sure you're taken care of. And operations though, like, because there's so many different things that can happen inside of a practice. And even as your practice continues to grow, you hire more people, more, maybe you bring in some additional services, all of it starts to become really complex, right? And so there are multiple practices where I've been in where the money's coming in the door, money, millions and millions and millions of dollars. But when it comes to them operations, when it comes to how things work, the efficiency, the effectiveness, it is janky. I mean, janky, janky. And so today's episode is all dedicated to how are things running in your practice? Oftentimes we hear terms like well-oiled, We listen to folks who talk about like, if you have a well-oiled business, you know, I say it too, you want your practice to be well-oiled, but let me break down a myth for you. And let me tell you from the 15 plus years of experience working in multiple practices, different specialties, all the things, you know, going into large hospital systems, you know, sitting in C-suites of, you know, like really big companies, all of it. Let me tell you something, your practice being well-oiled is a myth. 
and I want to say that one more time because I'm going to free you. I'm about to free you from thinking everything has to be perfect in your practice all the time and that you're ever going to get to a place of where everything is just beautiful. It's well oiled. Things make sense. You know, everything just flows. No, it's a myth. It is a lie. And so when it comes to you having a well oiled practice, especially as a growing practice, right? In just the land of entrepreneurship, there will always be areas of your practice that are well-oiled. There will be areas of your practice that work well, but it will never be. (laughs) It will never be where everything is like, great. You wanna know why? Because operations is always ongoing. And even with the clients that we work with, we do tailored action plans for every single client that we work with. And with those tailored action plans, we give them due dates, guidelines, you know, what to learn, you know, specific action steps. And that due date is always ongoing. (laughs) Like I've never, there might be a specific due date for like this policy and procedure needs to be written. However, the pillar for operations is always ongoing. Why? Because someone's always going to challenge it. Either a client and patient's going to challenge it because they're going to complain about something a team member is going to challenge it because something's going to fall through the cracks or they're not going to understand something that for work that they're supposed to do. You are going to challenge it because something just doesn't make sense and it's not in alignment with vision and mission, right? And so all those things fall into operations. And so when we think about operations, it comes down to the six, really the six areas of your practice, right? And so this always goes back to the six pillars of business excellence. You have your marketing pillar, you have your financial pillar, you have your specific operations pillar, you have your team pillar, you have your practice experience, which is like your client and patient satisfaction pillar. And then you have your you pillar as a CEO, right? And so even how you show up, like you have your own processes and systems for what you got going on. And so when we think about operations, we have to break it down in a in a smaller chunk of of what's happening within the practice if not it can be very overwhelming overwhelming so overwhelming so how i look at any practice when i am thinking about things there's administrative business tasks there's clinical business tasks and then there's things that overall when it comes to company especially when we're talking about policy and procedures so i always make sure that our clients have administrative policy and procedures so this might be how someone schedules or maybe how you're marketing the practice or maybe um let's see how you collect money you know billing like all those things are kind of administratively based processes and systems within your practice you have your clinical processes and procedures too so we always make sure and encourage our providers to have actually clinical guidelines to make sure that there's some type of standardization when it comes to how you're practicing within your practice I don't know if anybody really talks about this because every practice that I've ever been a part of, because you have multiple different types of providers, especially when you're talking about group practice, different types of providers, different ways of practicing, different methodologies, different views of the world, even though they've all gone to school for a very specific skill set, clinical skill set, it doesn't mean that it can, it can throw a wrench in a practice very quickly. So from an operation standpoint, you want to make sure that you're paying attention to any time that you can standardize a practice, right? Anytime that you can bring a sense of this is how we handle this specific situation, whether if it's a diagnosis, whether if it's a specific service, if it's a specific type of appointment, like all of those things are opportunities to standardize within your clinical guidelines, I would say. And then for company, 
this is essentially company. This is what everybody needs to show up and do. So just to kind of dive in the, into this a little bit more, when we're thinking about operations overall, it's very broad. It is a very broad scope of, of subject. So anybody who says like, oh, I'm an operational uh, expert. Okay, cool. What part, <laughs> you know? And so like when you're thinking about your practice and from a CEO standpoint, you have to be mindful of your operations because chaos costs money. And I'll say that again, chaos costs money. And so those practices that I've always gone into to fix, or even with some of the clients that we're working with, when I talk about like hot mess express, you know, hot mess practices, it's essentially practices that their workflows and their processes, how they're, how they are doing things within the practice. It doesn't make sense, right? It's not streamlined. It's kind of all over the place. There's usually a lot of bottlenecks, uh, depending on team members, sometimes the owner is the bottleneck. And so it's really breaking down how is the practice running and getting rid of the myth that you will always get to a place where the practice is well-oiled. A majority of your practice can be well-oiled, but there's always going to be an area of opportunity for improvement. Always, always. So let's break this down a little bit more as we dive into it so really every practice so regardless of who's listening to this if you have a big practice a small practice it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter from the day that you start operating so from day one your practice it has a way of doing things your practice starts to develop processes your practice starts to develop how you are showing up and how you're working with people right and so that means you have operations that are happening. Most times people don't start to pay attention to, to operations until they're further along in the game. I don't recommend that. I recommend for you to start paying attention to it right away. And so one of the first things is when you are first starting out, the most important thing is marketing because you have to start to build up an audience and for people to even know that the practice exists. So the second would be financial money starts coming into the door and then you start working with people. And then the third would be operations, right? And so with operations, how are you doing things? Like you can still be bogged down. You can be a person of one and you can still be bogged down in things <laughs> like you really can. And so it's a myth that you think like, oh, I'm not big enough to even think about my systems or how I'm doing things. Yes, you can, because if you're working in an EHR system, that's not really fully supporting you or you don't understand it, that's costing you money, right? And so your time is closely connected to operations. And so some of the classes that I've taken or some of the things that I've learned over the years is there's lean methodology, um, which is essentially when you hear like, I run very lean or company who, who companies who run very lean. And it's more or less like we do things, we do more things with less, but there's a methodology to that. Like when you're doing more with less, then it's really important for you to be streamlined, right? It's really important for you to think about how are we doing things? Because at some point, especially because we're in healthcare, sometimes you might need more people, right? And so there might be definitely when we're thinking about AI, when we're thinking about automation, those things need to be incorporated inside of your practice for sure. One of the biggest things that I see right now and where people get held up is like they think, oh, AI is just going to help me do my whole job. Hmm, no, that's not that's not true. Because the way even where AI is now, it's helping you be more productive. It's saving you time, but it still requires a person, right? It still requires a human touch either to go back and reread it. Let's use ChatGPT as an example, because now it's like being embedded in so many different like EHRs and helping with documentation and different things like that. And so when it comes to those things, you still have to overread it. 
you still have to make sure that it makes sense. You still have to have an expertise in order to know that isn't right, right? Or this could be said a different way. So there's benefit to it when it comes to automation or even artificial intelligence. However, it still requires a human capacity to it too. Same thing with automation. One of the biggest things is, and one of the biggest myths around automation, I'm just gonna incorporate automation and it's just gonna do everything for me. Yes, you can save money with automation. Absolutely. You can definitely even replace a person with automation. However, don't think for one second that you're not going to have to have some type of person to oversee that automation. Glitches break, like there's glitches that happen all the time. Workflows break. Integrations need to be fixed, right? And so I think we all have experienced where the tech is supposed to work. The problem is when the tech doesn't work, right? And so that's where having an expertise or, or identifying, yes, automation, we're going to leverage automation to make our practice more streamlined and efficient and effective, but it's never going to fully replace ever, right? And so even as people are like concerned with AI and taking jobs, sure, things will become more efficient. Things will be in a place where we might not need as many people. However, it will never be in a place where there's not somebody who has to oversee it, which we, which is going to require a person. So those are some of the things that I think about when we're talking about operations. The biggest tech and in, inside of any practice when it comes to like the hub of a practice and what really controls how you work and that actually impacts every single area of a practice. When we're thinking about admin, when we're thinking about clinical, when we're thinking about everyone all together would be your EHR. One of the things that I see is that folks stay in the same EHR when it's actually time to change, where maybe you need more functionality, you need more detailed reporting, you need more access to know what is working, what's not working to help you make better decisions as the owner. And so sometimes in the beginning stages, you can get away with like a very simple EHR system, but you do have to recognize like, okay, we probably need to make a change, right? And once we get bigger. So I start to find like once you have multiple providers, so five plus providers, then there's usually sometimes where the EHR isn't working, right? Because you're not able to see everything that you need to see. The functionality, again, isn't on point. The automation, there's not that many automation capabilities within it. So all those things can definitely impact you as you were moving in your practice from an operational skill set. So when we are diving into just workflows, processes, and systems. Like, what does that mean? Because you hear that a lot. Like, what's a process? What's a system? What's the difference? Workflow. So your process is how you do things. Your system, actually, when we think of systems, we you might think like, oh, it's a software. You know, it's a computer. <laughs> That's a system. No, actually, when we're thinking about operations, when we talk about systems, it would be, this is our hiring system, right? This is our marketing system. This is our financial system. And so it's more or less like the processes and the procedures within that particular system. So when we break down, for example, your financial system within that would be how money comes into the door, right? That's a procedure, how you bill, that's a procedure, that's a process, how you collect money after the services is done. That's a process. So when you start to pay attention to how many things happen on a daily basis within a practice, you could have hundreds of pausing procedures. I mean, tons, just depending on how deep you want 
to go. So there are books and manuals. Like I was hired specifically to write a clinical manual for a, what was it? Eight site location, like practice. So clinical guidelines for eight sites. And it was a standardization of how folks needed to do things. That sucker (laughs) was huge. And it was a revision. It involved multiple people. I had to get the team involved. And so a lot of times when we're thinking about operations, it's more than just you, right? And so even if you hire for the folks who have leadership teams, even if you hire someone like an operations manager, operations director, a COO, a chief of operating, you know, a chief operating officer, any of those folks who are kind of overseeing the day-to-day of how things run in the practice, the operations, you as the owner still need to be aware of what's happening, right? Because your operations is going to impact so many things. And so again, regardless of how big or small, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Your your processes and systems can either work for you or work against you. And so again, chaos costs money. So if you haven't written that down yet, make sure you write it down. And more times than not, again, operations can always be improved within your practice, whether it's an area. So let's say that your hiring processes are on point. When people get onboarded, things are amazing. So great. Everyone's trained up. It's so wonderful. But your marketing processes and systems or your workflows could be a hot mess. Nothing's written down. We don't know when we market. If we go to an event, there's no checklist. There's no standardization for how we market, you know, nothing. And so social media is just kind of a free fall. Like there's no branding guidelines. There's no consistency when we're posting. Our email newsletter just kind of goes out whenever. Like all those things are operations, right? And so it's really important for you to pay attention for what needs to happen within your practice operationally and what needs to maybe be refined in your practice operationally. So there's four reasons to focus on operations, just to put a little bit of structure around this episode. So there's four reasons to focus on operations. Number one, increase patient and client satisfaction. Your reputation, referrals, everything coming into the door is reliant on how well you serve. As your practice grows, things get bigger, things get more complicated, So is your risk for complaints. So is your risk for people to say, I didn't get this thing. Somebody was supposed to call me back. Or if it's where you might be doing medications inside of your practice, you know, people might not, people may need a call to request, to request medication refills or to request certain test results or to just get on the schedule. You know, all of those things can become more complicated, which can all lead to patient and client dissatisfaction, which is going to impact your practice experience. So one of the number one reasons why to focus on how you are doing things and how well you doing, you're doing things and who is doing things within your practice is because of that piece. You always want, and one of the things that we work with our clients on is you want a practice of excellence. Excellence, not to say that it's perfect or everything is just, you know, always amazing, but excellence. Like if you strive for excellence, if you strive for making sure that the folks that you're here to take care of are taken care of and taken care of well, if you're always striving for that, then you're going to pay attention to when things fall through the cracks, right? You're going to pay attention to if you get a complaint. You're going to pay attention to maybe the root cause of why the the complaint occurred, right? So it's increased patient satisfaction or client satisfaction, increased team satisfaction. 
one of the things, even going back to the examples of the, you know, multiple practices I've been hired at this point in time to fix, one of the things that when we talk about retaining your team or keeping, especially in today's job market, is if things run well, if they feel productive, if they know that they can, they have clear instructions, clear expectations for what is required for them to do the job, guess what? They're going to be happy. They're going to stay. Part of that is you identifying what's happening within the practice. People, high performers, when it comes to a team perspective, don't like to work in bad environments. We were on a call, our alumni call last week, and I talked to this because one of the things was I feel like I am sometimes like where, where you hire somebody, they don't make the cut and then you have to let them go. And I pushed up against that because when you have high performers in your practice, they want you to have a, a culture of accountability. They want to see that not everybody and their brother can just work for your practice and that you're just going to accept any old behavior, right? High performers want to work in an environment where they feel that they can grow that they feel appreciated, that they are recognized for the work that they're doing, and that they can come in again and work in a nice environment. Part of that nice environment is operations, is making sure that things are documented, is making sure that they're involved in the process, right? And so when we're thinking about this, if you are struggling with keeping team, or if you're like, man, that person was so good and they left, I would go to your operations. Like, how are you doing things? What's the environment? Are things chaotic? Are things kind of all over the place? because that is a huge dissatisfaction for a really high performer when it comes to your team. Number three, increase provider satisfaction, right? And so if you have providers, same thing, if they're high performing, if it's easier for them to do their job, if they're good with the EHR, if they like working, you know, not everybody, I'll be honest, trying to set the expectation, everybody's gonna love the EHR, okay, it depends. But if they still feel that they're productive and that things make sense, things are written down, the team is on the same page, if they are recognizing when, if someone needs to call, be called back, um, easier to get people on the schedule, like all of, the, all of that is going to help with that satisfaction, which means that you're going to be able to keep your providers longer too, right? In order to make sure that you're able to make more money, like all these things, which all ties into again, team satisfaction, patient satisfaction, client satisfaction, like all of it is, is connected and it's very closely linked to operations. Number four is going to save you time, money, and resources. Let me tell you, especially in today's time, like you want to make sure that the money's coming in the door. The money is being actively used within the practice to do what it needs to do. You don't want to lose money because of chaos. You don't want to lose your money because of a process. You don't want to lose money because things aren't because something's not documented, right? Or something's not clear. That's the other thing. You could write something down. You can have a policy and procedure. You have policy procedures all day long. It doesn't necessarily mean that it makes sense. It doesn't need to be refined and that it's clear to the person who is reading it. So it's important for you to recognize that you have to spend time in this pillar. So one of the things that we do have our clients do is to have a operations meeting especially if they have leadership team where they are sitting down talking about like, how are things running? Are there any opportunities for improvement? Are there any policy and procedures that we need to work on for the folks who are actually working on policy and procedures and actively trying to get things documented? I recommend having a dedicated working meeting where you are just actively writing policy and procedures. It doesn't necessarily have to be you as the owner, <laughs> but it can be where you are giving that guidance, especially in the beginning, and especially if you don't have like an operations person or a strong person who recognizes where maybe there's bottlenecks or maybe when a policy and procedure is needed, 
then it's important for you to have time blocked off for you to do that, for you to actually complete the work. Because if not, everything will take over. Because remember, operations is probably the most unsexy thing, but it's one of the most important things that will save you so much time, so much frustration, and truly will allow for your practice to run without you. So all this sexy stuff that we see especially like, oh, I only work two to three hours a week or, oh, I'm able to take a vacation or, oh, you know, I didn't get any phone calls. It's all in that operations pillar and it's going to set you up for so much success. So really paying attention to and making the time to get things documented, involve your team too. Like it doesn't have to be everything you as the owner, especially if you're not the one doing it. So if you're not scheduling all the appointments anymore, have your admin help, right? You guys can still sit down together. Same thing, if you have a practice manager, make sure the practice manager is getting with the right folks. Most time the experts of the process or the procedure is the person who's actually doing it. In the beginning, it might be you where you're having to write things down or capture what you're doing, especially if you're getting ready to hire, but it doesn't always have to be you. You are more or less there to maybe oversee it, maybe to add some additional insight, provide some of your experience or maybe something that's missing, but overall it doesn't have to be you doing the work, but you have to make sure that your team is making time to do it and that you are making time to do it as well. If not, it's going to fall to the wayside because everything else will seem like it's more of a, of a priority when truly getting things documented is going to be your best friend. So those are four reasons why paying attention to operations is important. Some ways to identify the problem because I know this comes up. Well, how do I know if there's a problem? You know, things, the money's coming in, Brandy. You know, that's what I hear. The money's coming in. It doesn't matter. Your metric, your financial metric, the revenue, even profit is just one metric, right? That's just one metric. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have an overall healthy practice. When I think about a healthy practice, a sustainable practice, I'm thinking about the money piece. I'm thinking about the team piece. I'm thinking about workflows, like how the practice runs, like all of those things are important and it's going to dictate the overall health of your practice. So if you have revenue coming in the door, great. If you are profitable, awesome. It doesn't necessarily mean that your team is productive. It just doesn't, you know, because you could have a team who is just in chaos and you could just be really great at managing your expenses. Right. And so it's really important for you to recognize that data is important. So when you're thinking about identifying a problem, you start with the data, but you're also going to dive deeper into what are some other numbers that we need to pay attention to. So we have our practice performance dashboard that all of our clients get, and we've talked about it on past episodes. And we really make sure that you have numbers for the work that you're doing. So that way you can actually monitor the trends of what's working, what's not working to make sure that you're moving the needle in the right direction, but also you're hitting your goals. One of those goals can be from a data standpoint, how many policy and procedures do you have, right? And so it's important for you to definitely take in the data to pay attention to some of the numbers and that's going to help you identify a problem the second problem or second way to identify a problem is complaints i talked to this when it comes to the satisfaction like your patient client satisfaction if you have a lot of complaints coming in that's the number one way for you to know that there's a problem there was a practice that i was hired to take over and to fix and one of the things i started doing immediately was tracking complaints so we had a call center everybody would call in to schedule their appointments. And so that was where we would document what are the complaints that are coming in. So the number one was like, I don't get a return phone call. Sometimes it takes multiple days for someone to get back to me. 
that was an opportunity for us to refine, guess what? Our scheduling process, our phone process, our callback process, our follow-up process, like all of it, and to make sure that we were getting back to folks in a timely manner. So from, and we were able to move it from four days to get back to somebody to we were mostly able to get back to most folks within 24 hours. How do we know that? Data, complaints. Even your compliments is a way for you to know how your practice is running. So it's important for you to pay attention to some of those things and to look at, okay, this is a problem. Every piece of feedback that you get is an opportunity for improvement. Good, bad, all of it. The third way to identify a problem would be bottlenecks. So when we think about bottlenecks, it's almost like a clog you know, in a, in a pipe, right? Where things can't get through. More times than not, if I had it, if you're listening to this and you are a practice owner, you're probably a bottleneck in some type of process within your practice. Like you're in the way. Sometimes you just need to get out of the way, especially if you have a team. So some of the things to detect, even if there's a bottleneck issue, if you don't understand, would be delays. Is there a delay with anything that's happening? Is there holdups with anything that might be happening? Um, I, a number one thing that I hear is, oh, I got, I missed this. This fell through the cracks or I didn't know that this was due or I didn't know that there was a due date. There's a, that's some definite language of bottlenecks where there's a delay, right? Lack of expectation, not lack of clarity, um, not understanding what is required. It's being on someone's desk for far too long. Paperwork. Oh my gosh. When we think about practices, probably one of the most identified in every practice across every specialty would be paperwork, like intake paperwork, right? So like, <laughs> that's why there's so many, like if you think about technology or kiosks that have now been invented, all of it is tried to is trying to fix the intake process because that's usually one of the bigger bottlenecks when it comes to a practice. So it holds up everything. Like you can't move forward if, if the paperwork isn't signed or if you don't have a consent a consent form signed or you don't have the copay or you don't know what credit card to charge or you don't know what insurance to bill. All of those things are opportunity for bottlenecks, right? And so when we're thinking about bottlenecks, that would be some place where you can definitely improve operations. When we're working with our clients and they're wondering like, where do I start? I always say start with your money because you don't want a bottleneck around money coming into the practice. So whether if it's a billing, if it's if you're cash pay collecting the cash, if it's a financial agreement um, process, like all of that of credit card processing, a you know insurance filing process, like all of those things are opportunities for there to be bottlenecks and opportunities for you to definitely make sure that those processes make sense that they're as efficient as possible, that they're documented, and everybody understands what the expectation is. So those are the three ways or just some things for you. There's more, but those are the three that I'm going to talk about today to help you identify when there's a problem. So ultimately, when you're thinking about your operations, you want to make sure that you are setting yourself up for success. So I have some homework for you, some homework for you that you are going to go through as you're diving into your operations. All right, you ready? Okay, so question number one for your homework. What systems and processes do you have established for your company now? And I want you to go ahead and use your pillars. So again, your pillars are marketing, financials, operations, your practice experience, team, and you. So what processes and systems have you established for each one of those pillars? So for example, let's say for your team pillar, 
your hiring process hasn't truly been established, that's an opportunity for you to improve. Maybe your marketing processes and systems haven't been established or documented. That's an opportunity. So what processes and systems do you have established now? So go ahead and write things down. So for marketing, financials, operations, client experience, team, and you, and it's going to help you to establish what, where your opportunities are to do some things different and maybe some things that you need to work on. Number two, what systems and processes do you need to implement? So going back to using those same six pillars, what I just said, maybe there might be some opportunity in your team pillar. There might be some opportunities in the um, marketing pillar. There might be even uh, most times there's always opportunity for you, <laughs> you as the owner. And so you are your own operational set setup. So if you are burnout, if you're tired, if you feel like you need to incorporate more days off, if you need to give yourself more thinking time or CEO time to strategize, to really think about mission and vision, all of those things are going to fall into that U pillar too. So you want to make sure that you're thinking about those two things. So that's two questions that you can definitely use to help you get some additional clarity when it comes to the, when it comes to the practice and how things are flowing within the practice. Um, another question would be, what systems and processes do you think you need to change? So again, it, it's all building on each other when you're thinking about your systems. What tech resources do you need to add or change? So this is gonna allow for you to think about, do we need a new HR system? Have we outgrown it? You know, Are we using it the most? It surprises me how many people don't have access to their support or talk to their support system that's affiliated with their EHR. There's usually a boatload of resources um, that you can definitely leverage when it comes to your EHR. So making sure that you are thinking about, are we leveraging our tech, tech resources? Is there anything we need to add or change? Number five, what opportunities are there to eliminate, automate, or delegate processes? Especially as the practice grows, you're going to find like, oh, we've always done it this way. I don't know. And then your team won't even know why they do things. Well, when I first started, you know, two years ago, we've always just done it this way. This is how I was trained. And those are killers to a practice. Those are killers when it comes to your operations, your processes, your systems. This is where chaos starts to cost money. This is where you start to lose money. So you always want to start to think about why are we doing things? Do we still need to continue this way? And you always want to think that way. You want to think proactively, but also your team needs to think proactively. Like, well, I think there's probably an opportunity for us to do something different. There's probably an opportunity for us to refine this. There's, I don't think we need to do this anymore. You know, it doesn't really make sense. It's duplicative or it's too manual. You know, there might be something that we could do to make it easier, but it takes you to put that emphasis in there and also to set the expectation. And during your meetings, like during some of your team meetings, ask these questions, you know, definitely bring in the, the, the operations into the conversation with your team meetings, uh, leadership meetings, all of it. This needs to be a standard agenda. How are things running? Where are things, are we doing anything that we don't need to do anymore? How are you doing? You know, sometimes your team members have full, completely full plates. And maybe you that's going to let you know that they need to delegate some things. You need to hire somebody else, right? So really paying attention to that. Number six is how do your current company systems and processes feel? And that sounds weird. It sounds like a weird question. But most times when it comes to operations, it's never anything that you can maybe necessarily put a like you can't hit put like the pin on it or whatever. It's usually something that you feel like things feel hard. 
things don't feel like they're running the way that they should. It's always a feeling, you know, most times when you're thinking about how your practice runs. So if things don't feel good, if things aren't flowing, if you feel things are hard, then that's a red flag that there's probably some opportunity, um, you know, that to change things up. So let me go back through and just review what are your, what's your homework? So your homework is to ask yourself these questions. Definitely bring in your team if you need to. So what systems and processes do you have established for your practice now using your six pillars of excellence, marketing, financials, operations, client experience, team, and you? What systems and processes do you need to implement? So using those six pillars, again, sometimes the opportunity isn't necessarily in all the pillars. It might just be in one. So you might have a really great marketing process, but maybe your hiring process needs to be refined. Maybe your financial processes need to be refined. Number three, what systems and processes do you think need to change? So that's just identifying, don't make this mistake where, or don't be at the mercy of learning this lesson where like, oh, we're going to tackle all the processes. <laughs> we're going to document everything. Eh, probably not. You'll get burned out. It's like wanting to go and jog 13 miles or, you know, like I'm going to go become a runner. And then you try to jog 13 miles and you can't do it, right? You might even not even be able to run half a mile. So you have to start slowly. So I always recommend what are two, one or two policies that you want to go ahead and document, get dive into, and then you can always take on more. And remember what I said earlier, always start around money. So if you don't have anything documented at all, always start around money where you're documenting things and always identify like, so if it is hiring, okay, so we're going to work on our onboarding for our administrative staff hiring. Or we're going to work on our onboarding for our providers because we have new providers that might be starting. So just really getting very clear on what processes and systems that you want to focus on. Number four, what tech resources do you need to add or change or leverage or refine, right? And so this would definitely, you want to make sure, again, the biggest system in any practice is going to be your EHR because so many people have hands in it. So you want to make sure that you're definitely leveraging it and that you are very familiar with what resources come with that system, whether if it's tech support, help support, additional training, blogs, you know, all of it, any marketplace features that they might have, integrations, all of it, what automations, macros, everything that, that can definitely come to make that system easier. And recognizing that most people, unless if you went to school for technology, um, it's going to be something that you're, it's going to benefit you to learn it. And then also if you definitely bring in like an administrative person or, or an operations person, like a leader, they definitely need to learn it and be able to leverage it in order to make sure that you're getting the most out of it. Number five, what opportunities are there to eliminate, automate, and delegate processes? You never want to be in the, well, this is the way that we've always done it. And this is what I learned when I first started. And we just still keep doing the same thing. No, like a, a well-oiled practice is evolving. It's fluid. And it's always ongoing improvement and refinement, right? That's the sign of actually a healthy business, right? Because you want to make sure that you're continuing to grow, but you're always on top of What's costing us money? What's costing us time? Where are we showing up the least productive? Number six, what do your current or what do your current company systems and processes, how do they feel? So how do your current company systems and processes feel? And a lot of that is going to be able to help you. How do you feel? Like, how do you feel when you're working inside of your practice? 
if it doesn't feel good, why? And getting really clear on why. If your team doesn't feel good working inside of your practice, why? You know, what's happening? And then of course your numbers, going back to metrics and the data will always help you with that as well. So that is the episode for today. So I hope that you found it beneficial when it comes to operations and, you know, just tackling it. It takes a team. It takes a team. It takes a village. So have fun, enjoy, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and it empowers you as the CEO of your practice. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, share the message, and leave a review. If you want more information and support in growing and scaling your practice, click the link in the show notes to take advantage of our free resources or apply to work with me directly. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.